Hello everybody, Junior Resource Investing back here again. My name is Matthew. I have Fathom Nickel with me today. This is one I'm excited for. Fathom Nickel is a Canadian Junior Nickel Explorer with a couple of very exciting projects next door to each other in northern Saskatchewan. Joining me today is CEO and VP Exploration, Ian Fraser. Uh, Ian, thank you for joining me today. How are you? Uh, doing very well, Matthew. Thank you very much for uh, the opportunity to tell the story. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this. I'm, yeah, this is going to be an exciting conversation. I, I like your company a lot. But before I, I I'll, I'll hand it off to Ian here to kind of introduce us to his company for those of us who don't know it quite yet. But prior to that, very bog standard disclaimer here, please. Right, uh, we are not your financial advisors. This is not finan investment advice. You'll have to make your own investing decisions with your financial advisor. But with that out of the way, Ian, why don't you just give us you know a, a classic elevator pitch for Fathom Nickel and and what's going on with you folks these days. All right. Uh, yeah, Fathom Nickel, a private company formed originally in uh, 2015. Uh, myself and uh, a colleague of mine, we, we formed the company. And we were private uh, oh, right up until the spring of 2021. Uh, there was a bit of uh, nickel euphoria going on and uh, Elon Musk making statements about needing nickel in safe jurisdictions. And we you know, we'd, we'd wanted to go public since being uh, formed as a private company. And then this window of opportunity presented itself and we probably hit the, uh, the market at the, the absolute peak and we were able to raise a substantial amount of money. And, and since then, uh, have made tremendous strides as a, uh, as a, as a public company. Um, but the strategy of the company was, you know, going back to 2015, we were looking at uh, energy metals. Um, you know, we were entertaining some thoughts on graphite. We were entertaining and we, we knew about the, uh, you know, uh, we, we had a history of uh, the Albert Lake project, uh, the first company, uh, the first project of, uh, of Fathom. Um, and it was, it was a stranded asset. So we approached the company that we had both been involved with and as consultants and were able to secure what at the time was the Rottenstone Project. We've since renamed it to the Albert Lake Project. And from there, I mean, that was, uh, that was sort of the impetus going forward is, is just being focused on nickel. And subsequent to that, we've added the second project, the Gochagger Lake Project, which is roughly 60 kilometers straight south of the Albert Lake project, center to center. And here too, tremendous uh, upside for, for nickel. So I'm, I'm already going off script here. Uh, so you, you, you said that you, you were kind of casting about looking for projects. How wide did you cast your net? Was this something that, you know, that, that, that Albert Lake Rottenstone that you kind of had your eyes set on that from the get-go? Or is this a fairly, fairly uh, detailed uh, due diligence process that was, it was a result of? Um, well, you know, the uh, uh, I, I had previously done the due diligence on the Rottenstone project, and, and I was, uh, you know, this goes back to 1998, 1999, and I was tasked with uh, looking for platinum group element opportunities globally for this company that I was working with. And um, so, you know, as I said, globally, you know, trying to find other uh, you know, Marinsky reef analogs, uh, still water type things. Um, and it was interesting that, you know, right in our own backyard, essentially, this uh, Rottenstone project that was uh, introduced to me by a colleague of mine, Dr. Larry Halbert, 
who at the time was with the Geological Survey of Canada. And it caught my attention. <laughs> it really did, uh, you know, again, we were, we were focused on platinum group elements at the time. And, and here was a form of producing of nine grams PGEs with very, very significant nickel. Um, and so I presented this along with a few other projects to the company and uh, the Rottenstone project rose right to the top. So come 2015, knowing that this was a stranded asset, um, it was a very quick and pretty simple, straightforward negotiation and it was ours for shares and, and off we went. Hmm. Yeah, excellent. And yeah, and fast forward to 2023 and things are looking very exciting. And I'll, I'll, I'll try to keep my, keep my, I'll try to be objective. I'm an objective uh, interviewer here. But uh, one, so maybe one more question here. I, I, we touched on this at the end and I realized, and I spoke to you, I saw camera here that not, maybe we'll bookend this way, but do you just want to give us a quick, 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 maybe just a overview of where are you now and what's coming down the pipeline short term, you know, next year to six months? Well, we, we feel very, very good about what we've accomplished since becoming a public company. We, we have moved the Albert Lake project, you know, I like to call it Rotten Stone, um, you know, which, which interesting history there, you know, 1929, the Hill of Rotten Stone, this is what First Nations folks referred to this as, and uh, it was you know, introduced then to some prospectors, and it, that's how the I get asked this question quite a bit is, you know, where does the term rotten stone come from? But at any rate, so there you go. <laughs> There's that little bit of history. Um, you know, we, we, we set out to prove that the isolated deposit, the historic rotten stone deposit was not something occurring in isolation. And, and we've done that. So, you know, the first checkbox was proof of concept. We've been telling people that we just didn't believe it was there all by itself. It's part of a large magmatic system. We've done that. So that is moving ahead very, very uh, positively. Uh, we've generated multiple additional targets. We have found a new zone, which is the proof of concept. Um, so we feel very, very good about that. And we plan to be drilling there in the uh, first quarter of 2024. Uh, the second project, Gochagar Lake, uh, you know, we just uh, just passed our first year anniversary there. A historic deposit, non-compliant, uh, drilled off in the late 60s. Very little work done since the 60s. Uh, but, you know, here too, a little bit of history. Uh, I was involved with uh, a group that was looking to option in on this project in 2017, 2018. So I did write a uh, qualifying report for this company, and then we raised a bit of dough. And we drilled a couple of holes. And so I saw firsthand what this style of mineralization was all about. And it just struck me immediately that borehole EM would be a fantastic tool at this particular setting. This style of mineralization had never been used before. So we had the opportunity uh, to auction in on this in the fall of 2022, which we did. And, you know, the first drill hole that we drilled speaks for itself. When you're getting, you know, 58 meters of 1.4% nickel, that does catch people's attention. But importantly, I think there it's demonstrating, you know, we, we have an exploration thesis there that this disseminated deposit 
that was drilled off 1966 through 1970, they were drilling vertical holes. And, and I feel very strongly now that they were missing these higher grade shoots that are very steeply oriented and steeply plunging because they are drilling vertical holes. And so we feel we have moved that project forward significantly and, and there's just multiple, a plethora of additional exploration targets within the 22,000 hectares that we now, uh, uh, the, the, the project is, is, is now up to 22,000 hectares. So there's multiple additional targets in there. So we feel very good about what we've accomplished at Gochagger Lake thus far. Move that forward significantly. And, and the fact that it is a historic resource, we'd like to very, very aggressively go at this in 2024. And, and potentially be talking about uh, a maiden resource uh, towards uh, you know this this time next year if we have a sufficient amount of meters to uh, throw at it in uh, 2024 I think we could be in that uh, that that very position that's exciting and yeah you, you touched on a number of things that I, I'm, I'm very yeah, I'm looking forward to kind of chewing on here with you but I mean I think core of this and this is what you know what attracts me to to fathom as an as an investment opportunity myself is that you are not, you have that proof of concept, right? You mentioned it yourself that, you know, this is not a one, you know, that the historic rotten stone mine was not a one-off. It was a it is one pot among many, right? You have a, I have a, uh, like a, a, a visualization here that I'll put up for people, right? But there's this mantle plume that comes up and then all, all these little pods or magma chambers get filled over time. And you are in the middle of trying to, to understand how these things connect. And I, and I think what you said just there was, was quite interesting that this, the, the vertical, that they're so steeply, the, the, the actual kind of targets are so steeply inclined that they're, it's easy to miss historically, right? Because that's going to be a question that I ask you later. And I think there's always a natural question when you have these kind of brownfield exploration projects is what are you going to do differently, right? But yeah. I'll, I'm going I'm to put a pin in all that. I, I'm looking forward to that conversation, but let's just kind of get the more of that, that bog standard slide deck kind of content out of the way, because I think, you know, for, for people that aren't new to the story, I think this is the kind of content that helps them structure their own understanding too, right? So, you know, we're going to talk about, you know, share structure, insider ownership, these kind of, these, these, these kind of, uh, like I say, kind of standard things here, but do you mind just right now, again, like kind of nice, neat little share structure, you, you IPO'd only in May of 2021. So, so not a lot of time to do some damage to the share structure yet in terms of dilution, but can you just tell us briefly and I'll bring up visuals here, right? But, you know, sh shares outstanding, uh, pro forma, right? And I guess the overhang and then what is the overhang price at necessarily? Yeah, well, at at the moment we're we're just uh, slightly over 100 million shares outstanding um, ownership, uh, you know, management ownership. Uh, we're roughly six to eight percent. We'd like that to be significantly higher. Um, and um, yeah, we we were, you know, I, I guess when we came out as in the IPO, we, we were engaged with a group and, um, you know, Fathom Nickel at the time was, was, was a little bit desperate. We were, um, you know, having a difficult time um, raising money privately and, and we'd had a significant, uh, we had at the time a significant land package and, and things were, were coming due. And so we did engage with a group and we, uh, um, you know, we gave up a significant amount of the company to do that. And then we came out uh, with the IPO and, you know, it was priced at 70 cents. 
that's good or bad, depending on how you look at it. It, it certainly created a tremendous challenge. Uh, you know, how do you maintain a, a 70 cent share price? And, and very quickly, the shine on the nickel market started going south. And, you know, us, along with our peers, were in, in decline. And, you know, we sort of fast forward to uh, the winter of 2022, um, you know, it, I, I might start jumping all over the place here, Matthew, excuse me, but, <laughs> you know, we, uh, you know, this proof of concept at, uh, at the Albert Lake project, uh, I, I don't think we really got any love in the market for accomplishing what we did. You know, we, we found this new zone of uh, 300 plus meters nickel mineralization. And, you know, you look at the textures, the style of mineralization, and it's it's another rotten stone over a 300 meter strike, but the overall metal tenor was lower, and that's that's geology, that's what that's what happens, but nonetheless, it was a, a, a new discovery. And so, you know, we continued to drift um, as low as uh, four and a half cents towards the end of uh, 2022, and we had picked up the Go Chagger Lake project. And, you know, again, if I can sort of tout my own horn here a little bit, just the, uh, the two holes that I was involved with in 2018 and, and recognizing that mineralization and recognizing where that mineralization occurred relative to a hole that was drilled in 1967 hmm. that had nine meters of 2.4% nickel. You know, I always thought we could drill a hole at the Gochagger Lake project and probably do fairly well. So Maybe just to finish off this topic, uh, so burn rate with and without drilling, I guess, right? And maybe more, well, I'll just start, yeah. So burn rate with and without drilling. Do you mind just kind of telling us through the kind of operation you guys are running? Yeah, that's something that, uh, uh, you know, Doug and I have um, spent quite a bit of time on and we have uh, reduced our monthly burn rate significantly. There was... You know, we came out of the gate again, you know, we raised $11 million on the IPO. Um, we had some arrangements that we've uh, since got out of that were, you know, costing us X number of dollars per month. Um, and, and essentially, you know, overhead wise, it, it's just, uh, we're a two man operation. Uh, we did have an office. We were able to get out of that lease. Um, so we've been able to cut back on the burn rate there. Um, so we, we've, you know, I, I, I think there's still a bit more room to uh, um, uh, to get it under. You know, we're we're sort of in the fifty thousand a month. Um, that sound about right? Um, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> it just seems like a, a large amount of money, but uh, you mm -hmm. know, it's just the the cost of being a public company is is uh, is not cheap. Um, but we're, we're, we're looking at ways to continue to uh, reduce that. Uh, Drilling-wise, um, yeah, we, we've had some expensive drill programs. The, the two-hole program uh, in February at the Gochagger Lake, uh, you know, we didn't have a camp there. I'm uh, working on uh, amending our current expiration permit so that we can have a camp out there. So that eliminates the back and forth between the project and the uh, the village, the hamlet of Missinippi. Um, you know, looking at ways of reducing our dependency on the helicopter. That 
is a real cash gobbler. And mm -hmm. um, if we can, you know, move drills from site to site over land on a, uh, you know, uh, uh, some kind of a track vehicle or some kind of a skid mounted drill, you know, we get it in there initially probably by helicopter, but then we can move in a, a, a small track vehicle capable of pulling these things from site to site, that would reduce our overhead uh, drilling costs substantially. And, and this can be done at, at both projects, um, even, even at, uh, at Albert Lake. As things progress there, we can pop in another track mounted vehicle and, and utilize the same sort of strategy there is just to try and cut back on the dependency of the helicopter, which would have a tremendous effect on the overall cost per meter. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, you are Saskatchewan. I'll bring up a map here again. I mean, you are pretty far north. Anybody knows that area? I mean, like LaRange or, or Flimflon down the road or whatever, but, uh, or not down the road, but just a little to the east. But yeah, you're not that far off a road, but I mean, that five kilometers or 50 kilometers, you're not getting very far when it's off, when you're, when you're past the end of the highway, right? So it's uh, it's pretty dense, pretty dense muskeg or it can get pretty dense up there. Um, just maybe just finally, so maybe Albert Lake, right? So we'll call Gochager kind of aspirational thinking in terms of being a camp established, but with the camp current operationally, what is it per, per meter for, at, at, at Albert Lake? Um, at, at Albert Lake, we, we've been in the uh, sort of, uh, you know, the, 500 to 600 dollar a meter all in cost so that is you know inclusive there is the is the cost of the camp and all the aviation costs and 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 something to you know un, unlike um um you know gold expiration say you know nickel expiration you have to have borehole em you, you just absolutely have to have um that tool at your disposal because it's giving you real-time information and and where i'm going with this is you know that comes at a cost so that comes you have to have a two-person crew and what i like to try and do is when they are waiting for drill holes to be completed you know what else can we do with the em technology so we'll try and get them out there on on surface grids or but you know sometimes that's easier said than done but it does add another component to our all-in uh, drilling costs. So uh, I, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, you know, nickel expiration with respect to drilling might be a little bit more expensive because of some of the add-on costs, the geophysical add-on costs. Sure, sure. No, thank you. So you, you kind of met, you've answered a couple of these. I wanted to just talk about kind of the origin story for Fathom. Like I say, you, you did kind of uh, touch on this private private company in 2015 taking it over. Um, you know, Rottenstone has a lot of really interesting history dating back to the 20s, uh, 80s and 90s, held by Claude Resources, which is another good Saskatchewan company, right? And uh, then you spent that's that six years from 2015 to 2021. You, you know, you did a lot of that kind of quote unquote boring, dirty work that is so essential to these sort of things, right? You built up a suite of drill targets, re-assaying, re pardon me, old drill core. Uh, could you just, I mean, just provide some color, right? We're going to focus obviously on the, the more exciting, the sexier kind of drill campaign stuff, but yeah. obviously you don't get there without all that background information that you've done. Do you just want to briefly discuss or touch on all the work that you went into that from kind of 2015 to 2021 to get this drill target ready? Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's something, um, you know, I'm actually quite passionate about that because when, um, you know, I, I, I'd been working on that project, uh, the, the, Rotten Stone Project, 1998 through 2003, and and it, it, 
there too. It was difficult times. It was difficult to raise money. And uh, when money was raised, we just drilled. And, um, you know, in fact, it was amazing what we used to be able to do back in the day with, uh, you know, a half a million dollar budget. You could actually get quite a bit done. Uh, those days are, are long gone. But it always struck me that, um, you know, I, again, I was absolutely fascinated by the grade. And, and a lot of the drill holes that we were drilling, you get these little, what we were calling apophyses of ultramafic rock. So you, you knew it was, there was something going on. And we, we drilled a hole in the bay uh, near to what was called the island showing, which was, uh, you know, goes back to Inco had a, a go at this project. And we popped a, a hole into the bay and uh, we intersected some, some ultramafic rock and some of it was weakly mineralized. Um, and I was working on the, the next hole and I was instructed to uh, pack up and get out of there. And it was, uh, yeah, I think it was about the second week of April. And then when I got back to town, I you know, inquired about what we're going to do with all the drill core that I had uh, logged and sampled and had bagged and said, well, we're not going to assay any of it. And I went, really? And so I left uh, somewhat frustrated uh, and annoyed. Um, but, you know, circling back to 2015, I knew where this drill core was. <laughs> it had been kept in storage. In fact, when we approached the company, they were surprised that it still existed, but I yeah, I was the one that packed it away, so I knew it was still there. And and the very first thing I did was, uh, you know, assay the uh, the drill core from that hole that was drilled in the bay near to Inco's island showing. And lo and behold, it was definitely ultramafic rock, and some of it was uh, mineralized. And fast forwarding to 2021, I'll, I'll get back to that 2015 to 2021 period. But, you know, fast forward to 2021, uh, we're out there drilling a hole and boom, we get into 13 meters of ultramafic rock. And, and it was everything that I had seen 1998 through 2003. It was by far the most significantly mineralized uh, uh, intercept that I'd ever seen at that particular project. So that was, you know, we're off and running. Uh, but now to go back to the, the boring stuff, uh, 2015 through... Um, uh, uh, you know, before coming public, you know, there, there's a tremendous amount of data in the archives. And we were, you know, going back and doing things like, um, you know, I certainly had some help here. Uh, Dr. Halbert helped me out here as well, is, you know, we were taking mag surveys that were done over top of the historic rotstone deposit before it was exploited. We were taking gravity surveys over top of the rotten stone deposit before it was exploited and, and reprocessing this data and creating images and you know essentially you know putting Humpty Dumpty back together again. What was this historic deposit? What did it look like? And you know it, it became very, very apparent that it had a very strong gravity signature. It had a mag signature, but that sometimes can be a little bit uh, confusing and misleading and, and sort of the missing bullet was is it conductive um, so you know th these were sort of the exercises that we were going through is just trying to parcel this all together 
And then going through a, a VTEM survey that was flown in 2008 by another operator that was operated there again, there was a hole drilled in 2008 out in the area of our new discovery, the Bay Island Trend. And the fellow that was logging the core had called it a chlorite schist. And there was like five to seven meters of what he was calling a chlorite schist. And when I looked at the data, I thought, well, that doesn't look at all chloritic to me. That's an ultramatrix rock. And again, I, I had asked for permission to get out there and look at this and sample it. And, and no, no, don't bother. It's not a waste of time, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so, um, so we, uh, you know, again, when we acquired all of this, we started uh, uh, assaying and resampling and relogging um, uh, some of this uh, historic drill core and, and just started putting the you know, the, the pieces together and, and generating um, some additional targets. And, and one of them was, okay, well, how much of this rotten stone deposit remains in the ground? And, and we've since proven that there is more of this mineralization that wasn't completely exploited. So it, it, just, it just gave us a time to, uh, uh, to think, you know, if I can go off on another geologist rant here, when you're drilling, 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 sometimes you don't have the ability to stop and think. So as a, as a private company, we're able to, I, I think, maximize that historic data and it set us up very, very well for the proof of concept. Well, and yeah, again, this is, I'm going to be touching on something I mentioned already, but that, 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 that is what I find so compelling, right? That this is not just hopes and dreams, a little bit of a pump job, right? But this is extremely data-driven. You've collected and collated, I mean, immense amounts, decades worth of data uh, to create what I find to be very, you know, it's realistic and you, know, you are using past proven in the ground realities to go out and identify further targets, right? And it's not, none of this is theoretical. Well, I mean, of course it is until you're actually lancing it with the drill, but you have that proof of concept that you've mentioned a couple of times. So I'm, I, I'm going to introduce now, um, there's a technical report came out in 2021 with your IPO rate on, on Albert Lake specifically that I, I read through for advance and you kind of uh, told me off the top here that it's out of date in a positive way. So we'll, we'll get there tell me why I'm wrong here in a positive way in a couple of minutes. But I, I want to actually talk about your exploration thesis, because again, this is what makes the Fathom Nickel story for me, right? And so I will, I'll do a little bit of reading. I've got, I've got a quote here from the technical report, and then I'll ask you just to kind of weigh in on, on how your understanding mm -hmm. has evolved since this point. But fundamentally, you believe there are multiple pods, similar to the original Rotten Stone Mine, right? They're connected together by sill pathways, and they're all sourced from the same mantle plume. So the quote from the technical report here, and I, I, it is abridged, um, if anybody really wants me to, I can, it's on page 29. Uh, the Rotten Stone deposit is unique. The contained precious metal content is higher grade than ores of most deposits of this type. And this will be emphasis my own visually. The high sulfide content of the ore in such a small ultramafic body is rare and is indicative of a much larger magma chamber, the source of the rotten stone deposit. And then the ridge moving on. To achieve the high nickel copper cobalt plus PG grades, a direct result of the high sulfide content of the ore, the sulfites had to have the chance to equilibrate with a large volume of magma, enabling the sulfites to scavenge nickel, copper, cobalt, and PGEs. Again, emphasis my own here, but the inference, this is getting exciting, being the rotten stone deposit is part of a large magmatic system. So, I mean, fundamentally, your thesis is it's a whole heck of a lot bigger than we previously understood. I mean, is that is that still your standing thesis, or how has that evolved over the last couple of years since that technical report? Well, uh, that absolutely is the thesis and 
you know, the, the Bay Island trend, this 300 plus meters of ultramafic mineralization that's open at both ends. And we, you know, we still haven't figured out how wide this thing is. That that's proof of concept right there. That, that is, you know, so that quote going back to a technical report, uh, I think originally 2018, and then we, we updated it for the, uh, the IPO process. We have, we accomplished that, 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 uh, hasn't changed one iota. Yeah, so that, that again, I think that's a, a pat on the shoulder as far as <laughs> what we uh, set out to do. Well, it has to be satisfying. I mean, I'm just asking you personally, like you say, you've been working this off and on for 25 years, seeing that confirmation and affirmation of, you know, I can imagine you grumbling while you put your put those bags away. 25 years ago, you get to come back and actually get to discover and, 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 and prove your thesis, right? And, and so that's exciting. Um, maybe... And trying to keep our feet on the ground because I, I don't like overt pumping. But I mean, how excited are you? Like, what's the blue sky potential for this land package? I mean, what, what are we looking at here potentially? Well, we we've set out. Um, you know, we we believe that Saskatchewan and and both these projects are potentially their own individual nickel camps. Um, you know, the Thompson Nickel Belt. It's it's the it's the same age. <clears throat> you know, to, uh, the Manitoba has Thompson, uh, the past producing Lynn Lake. You know, you you shoot across Hudson's Bay and you get into um, uh, northern Quebec. Uh, Glencore's Raglan operations. You know, this is all 1.8 billion. This is all Proterozoic uh, timing, and this the Trans Hudson corridor just it makes a sharp left-hand south turn when it gets into the uh, province of Saskatchewan. And so the the grades of the historic rotten stone deposit speaks volumes all by itself. You know, the, the up, up until our discovery of the Bay Island trend, it, it was thought of as a one-off isolated deposit. And, and it clearly is not now. And to be able to, uh, you know, that that quote that you read, where the the sulfides have to get into the uh, the magma chamber and they have to cool calcophile elements that are in there, the nickels, the coppers, the cobalts, the the PGEs. If if you don't have that interaction with the sulfur, this whole thing doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the 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 conditions were unbelievably perfect for the rotten stone deposit. And that's why we have 3.3% nickel and nine grams platinum group elements. But again, in that quote, it's had to draw from a large magmatic system. You know, you, you, these you know, platinum group elements inside a magma are occurring in, you know, like zero, 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 something, something, something parts per billion. I mean, they're all just floating around in there. So if you can get that from that low, low number and you get it concentrated to nine grams, the, the sulfur that's attached to these platinum group elements, you know, the sulfur's in there and the bigger the source, the more of these, you know, I like using the Pac-Man mentality. You know, if you can imagine these sulfurs in the magma just starving for PGEs, well, the, the bigger the magma, the more the PGEs that they can uh, scavenge. And, and so you know, very, very simplistically, the, the, the rotten stone magma, that, that is a significant, significant source. And we haven't found the, uh, the source yet. We, we have found another 
sill-like body, that being the Bay Island trend. And we think we're on the verge of identifying another one at the, uh, you know, in the, in the area of the Trombley Olson claims. Um, so, you know, I, I think uh, we're, we're on our way. I mean, it, it, it takes time and it takes capital, obviously, but I, I think the good potential to replicate these historic grades, because we do know now that this is a very large magmatic system. And so, yeah, as a, as a nickel bull and an investor in Fathom, I, I, I like what you're saying. Uh, but this is, so obviously this is not just discovering more pods, uh, but also there is a chance of finding this, this feeder system or the source of these pods as well? I, I think so, yeah. No, the, you know, we, we, we did, um, um, I think we're a little bit smarter than we were 2018 and even pre 2021 when we uh, updated that technical report. We, we were using terms like, you know, a, a string of pearls and multiple pods. And, um, um, you know, if there's one rotten stone, which was believed to only be 50 to 60,000 tons, you know, is there another one? I mean, this, this one outcropped at surface. I mean, it's stuck up like a pimple 10 meters above surface. And, and there aren't any other, uh, you know, rotten stone deposits sticking out of the ground. So uh, they're going to be subsurface. And um, are there others? Yeah, I, I think there are, but they are going to have this, this common source. And, and um, uh, where that is, that, that remains to be seen. But you know, in the process of finding that, we will come across other pods, if, 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 to use that term. And, and, and pods are actually geologic traps. You, you have to have the, the, you know, the perfect conditions for these deposits to, to do their thing. And, and the bigger the structural trap, uh, the bigger the, the potential deposit. And you know, depending on how much sulfur got, gets into the magma when this thing is, is, is doing its thing will determine ultimately what the, what the grade will be. But you know, we, we now know that the, the structural trap that's host to the Bay Island trend, I mean, it's a minimum of 300 meters in strike. So, um, and, and we think we understand how and why that trap is located where it is, and we can follow this perfect lithological contact that we feel now is, is actually an unconformity. So if this is the favorable horizon, this is where we're going to focus our exploration efforts to find more of these um, uh, um, isolated deposits. Uh, but ultimately, again, there, there's a very, very large magmatic system that has a route into the, into the crust. You know, just where, where is that original vent, I guess is what I'm trying to say. That's tantalizing. I can't help but ask as a follow-up here. I mean, I, obviously, it's going to be kind of a, a varying degrees of confidence in terms of the, your targets. But, you know, you, you overlay grab with Meg and, and, and the, that conductivity when you can get there. But how many potential pods, potential targets, isolated deposits, how many, I mean, how many targets do you have on your list right now that could end up being, you know, a, another variant of rotten stone or another, another economic deposit, given, you know, appropriate exploration? Yeah, well, we were, um, uh, you know, we, we did a, a soil geochemical program in 2018. 
And that was a follow-up to some soil geochemistry that had been done in 2002. And, you know, there, there's been some, um, you know, geological survey of Canada, uh, projects with respect to biogeochemistry, some till analysis, and, you know, this is all part of, this was, you know, part of the boring stuff, you know, just going through all of that. Um, but when we did our soil geochem program in 2018, and then we followed up with a pretty extensive program in 2021, you know, at that time, the Trombley-Olson claims was still out of bounds, so we didn't go inside that uh, particular area. But we were starting to understand that, you know, nickel, chrome, magnesium, uh, cobalt, and copper, it was elevated in soils in areas well removed from the rottenstone deposit. And then when we did get the, the Trombley-Olson claims and we went in there and did our soil geochemistry in the fall of 2022, I mean, it just lights up like a house on fire. When, when you look hmm. at everything that we've done on the property thus far, which still amounts to probably less than 10% of the, uh, the 90,000 hectares, uh, this Trombley-Olson claim area is bright, bright red. <laughs> <laughs> to use the uh, you know the, the the brighter the colors the the, the better the values, um, so soil geochemistry is going to work. Uh, it, it's a tremendous um, uh, instrument to get you into the ballpark, and then uh, you know we we've been relying on the results of the uh, the 2008 VTEM survey. We've done our own gradient mag survey over the entire 90,000 hectares. So th there's lots of additional targets uh, out there um, to be found. I mean, we've, the area that we have covered with soil geochemistry, we have uh, a lot of targets within it, but as we continue the process, more and more of these, I'm confident, will, will pop up. Uh, but to, to put sort of a shorter time frame on it, you know, right now at the Albert Lake project, um, I feel that the historic rotten stone deposit itself has been offset by a fault. And we recognize this fault. We've been able to map this fault. And I think there's a football offset of the rotten stone deposit that's a little bit deeper, you know, probably 250, 300 plus meters below surface. But we've had, you know, borehole EM sort of on either side of the historic rotten stone deposit at depth. And we're seeing conductivity build up uh, as, as we get a little bit deeper down. So there's a very, very compelling target at the historic rotten stone deposit itself. If it is offset by a fault and it has that type of grade, well, that would be a fantastic uh, discovery. The Trombley-Olson claims with this incredibly robust, uh, you know, soil anomaly, you know, 743 ppm nickel in soils, uh, over a gram platinum palladium in soils. That is a tremendous target, and that's immediately, you know, two, two kilometers south of the historic rotten stone deposit. Uh, geophysical surveys this past summer have identified a a very, very strong conductor that has a strike of 450 meters, and we've modeled it. It's coincident with uh, gravity inversions. There's something 
of higher density and very conductive at a depth of 300 meters below the surface. Uh, one of the drill holes I was involved in in 2000, we probed it with the borehole EM back in the day, and we've since uh, you know had some people uh, go through the data yet again. And there's an incredible off-hole anomaly at 300 meters down this particular drill hole. So there's something very, very intriguing developing on the eastern flank of this very, very robust soil geochemical anomaly uh, within the Trombley Olson Claims area. Four and a half kilometers south of the historic Rottenstone deposit, uh, an area that we call the Dime. Uh, we intersected 13 meters of uh, ultramafic rock. And interesting enough, there was up to half a percent nickel in the ultramafic with very minimal sulfide. So this, if you know, if the sulfide's in around 1% and you're getting half a percent of nickel out of this ultramafic with only 1% sulfide, that's potentially a very, very high metal tenor, similar to, you know, rottenstone. The rottenstone metal tenor is anywhere from 7 to 9%, metal tenor being the amount of nickel in 100% sulfide. So this is a very, very intriguing target. So, you know, we, we, we feel we have a methodology now. And, um, and, and so I've mentioned Rottenstone itself, the Trombley Olson, the Dime. Uh, there, there, there's at least half a dozen other areas that have caught my attention that uh, are in need of drilling. And oh, yeah, I shouldn't say drilling, eventually drilling, but, you know, another round of, of, of surface work and then get it to the, uh, to the drill targeting stage. Uh, it's hard not to get excited. I mean, like you, like you say, you have these these this working, proven, data driven geological thesis and exploration thesis that now is 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 going through the, that iterative process of creating new targets based on on successful past targets. I mean, it, yeah. And when you say you've got half a dozen targets like that, it, it's 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 a very very interesting thing. So I can't help but ask. I mean, for for me, so I you know I I've been following your story you know for a couple of years now, um, and. I, when I heard that you would go Chager, you've had, so Albert Lake Fathom's had that since your inception, go Chager comes along maybe a year ago. And, and, and so this is the question I can't help but ask like, Oh my gosh, like Albert Lake is, is this super exciting project. What the heck, you know, what the hell the heck did you end up putting that in the, in the back seat and, and switching gears to go Chager? I mean, maybe we should just talk about go Chager. How does that attract your attention so much that it makes you want to, Put uh, put Albert Lake on the back burner. It it hasn't really been put on the back burner. It, it it's purely timing. Um, you know, going back to that previous comment I made. You know, we were <laughs> trading at four and a half cents, and things were getting a little bit desperate. And um, you know, we we got to keep we got to keep things moving here. And and so, Go Chagger came along, and it. Um, you know, it, it, it's helped us out tremendously from from market cap and and everything else. It it gave us the um, it gave us a bit of a buzz in the market, which was great. And um, you know, we've been able to um, um, you know we we spend a lot of time marketing. Um, 
and we're, we're, we're very, very careful about how we go about this process, but is, is better than having one story. And in, in some respect, we've kind of de-risked what was just a one pony stable there for a little while, but by no means has Albert Lake been put on the back burner because again, you know, what, what I, what, what I want to do, what we want to do, excuse me, you're saying I, what we want to do is, um, demonstrate that both projects are developing nickel caps. And, and I, I think the, the data collected thus far is, is pointing us in that direction. So the, the challenge now becomes raising enough money to work on both, which is exactly what we want to do. Um, you know, I, I, I think the, um, uh, th there's a quicker path to a resource at the Gochagger Lake deposit because one already exists. And it was defined from here to here to there to there and down to this depth. And we've proven that it's deeper than that depth and it's further along strike. You know, we, we've continued uh, just the geophysics that we've done ourselves. We know that that is now, you know, so if the original 4.3 million tons was this sandbox, we're presently playing with a much larger sa sandbox. So I, I think we can go about putting uh, uh, tons and grade together much faster at Gochagger Lake than we can at Albert Lake. But, you know, for instance, if we, uh, you know, we, we hope to raise uh, sufficient capital that we'll be drilling at both properties in the new year. And if this 400 meter uh, zone of conductivity at the Trombley Olson claims, if we get a, we suddenly have uh, two tremendous problems on our hands and, and uh, <laughs> uh, you know, we just can't get to drilling fast enough at, at, at both of them. So again, it's just, is what what you can do with the amount of money that you're able to raise and and being cognizant of uh of of not just completely blowing up the uh, uh the capital structure as well so the, the, a challenge but by no means have we uh uh backburnered the the albert lake project i mean that's where this all started for me so <laughs> yeah no fair i pre i appreciate that pushback i appreciate that and i'll i'll say that uh Having the, the problems you have, I think the, the saying these days, champagne problems, right? It's not a yeah. worse things in the world than having two very exciting projects. So maybe just for, for Gochager, I mean, does it be, so it's a different system, presumably, and you can correct me at any time because I'm not a geo, obviously, and you are, but I mean, does it, it it's a different system, but is it does it behave, I mean, is it, is it a very accurate or, or close analog to Albert Lake, or how do they differ in terms of what you're seeing? Like you, you talk about geochem and all the rest in terms of the data, data acquisition. How are they similar? How are they different? Um, I, I think what we're going to find out is they're, um, uh, they're going to be remarkably similar in, in, in some respects. Um, you know, the, the, the one, the one thing that's, um, um, actually let, 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 let me back up just a little bit. So the, um, the intrusive, as we know it at the Gochagger Lake project is bigger than any of the intrusives uh, that we're dealing with at the Albert Lake project at the moment. And at Albert Lake, um, it would appear that these things are uh, horizontal in their um, sort of configuration. So they, they, you used the term sills 
earlier, and that's very accurate. So these are uh, a conduit within the, uh, the sediments, and it's oozing its way through the uh, uh, the sediments. And then if there's a, a trap, well, that magma gets stuck in the trap, and then a deposit forms. Um, at Gochagar, it would appear now that we have a intrusive body that is more mafic in composition than ultramafic. And we feel that this uh, is a dynamic intrusive. So there's several phases of this intrusive. And, and um, um, you know, we're, we're starting to recognize that a coarser grained component of the intrusive at Gochagar Lake is, is possibly the more favorable um, um, phase of the intrusive for, for mineralization. You know, so again, it, it, it's vertical and uh, what we're dealing with at the moment at, at Albert Lake appears to be more just sort of, you know, sub-horizontal and, and slightly different mafic versus ultramafic, but at Gochagar, I, you know, the, the hole that was drilled in 2018, the deeper we get, it, it seems it's becoming more ultramafic. So at Gochagar, we're seeing isolated zones of this uh, globular texture. Uh, we're seeing a very broad disseminated inter, uh, disseminated zone, uh, the interstitial semi-massive to massive sulfide zones. The, these are the ones that are aligned in these vertically oriented shoots. And so just, you know, we've got all the right textures at Albert Lake and we're seeing all the classic magmatic textures at, uh, at uh, Gochagar. So in that respect, they're very similar. And, you know, we, we do know that we get some massive sulfide components at Albert Lake. I think we're on the verge of tapping into a nice massive sulfide pool at, uh, at Gochagar. Um, so in, in that respect, uh, they're similar. Uh, you know, the, the age is the same. Uh, the host rock is slightly different. Uh, the, the, the actual magmatic intrusive is slightly different, uh, but, you know, comparable. And, and equally upside potential at, at, at both of them. I think this is a natural time to ask then, uh, and I'm going to have follow-up questions here, but I think we'll have to just, I'll just have to have you back on and we can, and we can chase those rabbits then. But, but uh, I mean, what are you, this is a question that maybe was, was broached kind of uh, tangentially earlier, but what are you doing differently? Like Gochager, Albert Lake, Rottenstone, lost decades and decades. I mean, almost a century when it comes to Albert Lake in terms of exploration what have you done differently in terms of what data do you have that, you know, past operators did not? And what, what new thesis are you bringing to bear that you think will lead to success where others, you know, couldn't quite get their hands around that prize? Well, I, you know, I, I think at, at the Albert Lake project, um, you know, this isn't, isn't criticism. It's potentially, you know, a junior exploration company, you raise money, you're at the mercy of the drill bit. I mean, that, that's just, unfortunately, the, the way this business goes. But we've been able to, you know, with the luxury of a big raise, we've been able to sort of step back and do some mapping, do the soil geochemistry, and, and develop targets. And, you know, a classic example, if, if you know, the, the borehole EM is an absolute must. I said that earlier, and it has been incredibly successful at both projects. 
you know, just to tell you a little story. <laughs> so, you know, I talked about the the drilling that we did in the bay where we intersected that, uh, you know, the, the nice intersection of uh, ultramafic that contained some of the best, well, it was, it was the best mineralized zone I'd seen uh, drilled out there that dates back to my original involvement in 1999. And so we wanted, you know, there's a, an island near this bay and we were, it was a summertime and we wanted to drill a hole back towards what turned out to be hole 21, where we made this uh, discovery. And we knew it was just going to be a pilot hole. You know, if, if we got lucky, we might get into something. Uh, but we were drilling it out towards this intersection in hole 21. And we drilled and we drilled and we drilled and eventually just said, okay, we're going to stop this hole because it was barren. It was absolutely barren. There was absolutely nothing in this drill hole that would get you at all enamored or interested or anything. In goes the borehole EM. And my buddy who's been helping me out and overseeing all of this, I think it was a Friday afternoon and he was at the pub and he said, Ian, you won't believe the response that we have in hole 33. We've got a tremendous conductor above the drill hole. And so, you know, I, I, I think that kind of answers your question is we're, we're using borehole EM, which had never really been used systematically before. And, in, you know, just to further up on that story is, you know, we got back out there in the wintertime and started drilling more holes in the bay and then back onto the big island. And, and that's how we found the, uh, the 300 plus meters of this uh, nickel mineralization, albeit lower tenor than the historic rotten stone. So, Borehole EM has been tremendous. And, and you can actually, you know, you can drill a hole. For instance, if, if we had drilled that hole, uh, you know, say it was in the wintertime and it was a little bit closer, we, we would have immediately, you know, that's real-time information. We could have just kept the drill there. We could have spun the drill a few degrees and just go after that conductor. Uh, so that that's that's the luxury of, of, of borehole EM. Um, and go Chagger Lake. I mean, it's just, we've, you know, we know that these semi-massive to massive sulfides, we know they contain nickel. They respond beautifully to the borehole EM. And that's pointing us to zones of conductivity. And we've, we've uh, identified numerous conductive uh, features with, with the borehole EM at the go Chagger Lake project. So that's been something that we've been able to do that historically has never been done. And, and we and we are the beneficiaries of this tremendous airborne survey that was flown in 2008. And then there was multiple recommendations for the company to do additional work, but they were busy working on a project in Ontario. And so they just returned everything to the, to the vendor, the data included. And we've since uh, accumulated all of that data and we've gone through it. We recognize there's additional Go Chagger Lake targets in the uh, 22,000 hectares that we now have. So now it's time to get out there, do the, the grunt work first, get the boots on the ground, do some soil geochemistry, do the prospecting, do the mapping, do the follow-up uh, uh, ground geophysics. Then we have drill targets. So hopefully we can generate and, and you know the, the the capital required to do that and then allow ourselves the time to go about it in this very very systematic and I think very very rewarding process 
this has been a very enlightening conversation for me, but we'll probably have to point this to the end here. I'll have to just stifle some follow-up questions I have kind of percolating in my brain, but maybe just, you know, to, to, as I said, to kind of point us to the end. I mean, right now, assays are outstanding. So you have, you know, we're within a month, a few weeks, right, of, of whenever the lab gets them back to you. What are you, I mean, so I guess, where are these assays coming from? Um, and then what are you hoping to see from them in terms of, yeah, what are you hoping to see from them? Yeah, well, so we, we, we a press release a couple of weeks ago. So the, the seven holes that we drilled at Gochagger, you know, just over 2,000 meters, that's all been completed. We're not doing any more exploration in 2023 at either project. So we're wait, excuse me, we're waiting on those assay results. Uh, in the news release, there was some uh, imagery of some of the core that we have intersected. And, you know, one in particular where we're pointing to the coarse disseminated pentlandite that's occurring in the core. Pentlandite is nickel. And um, I, I think in that news release, there's an image of the polished half section of uh, a drill core that came out of 23003. In that, I'm pointing out the coarse disseminated pentlandite. So there are going to be zones within this that I, I think are going to be very favorable with respect to uh, nickel assays. Hmm. Um, but, you know, importantly, the, you know, this, this the, the, the higher grade material, which I think is going to be higher grade material, it's all captured within this disseminated halo. You know, so we, we tend to lose sight of things, Gochagger Lake, and you've got a, you know, a global resource. I'm, I'm just being very speculative here. Mm -hmm. And, and wishful thinking, we did a lot of work ahead of us. But if you know, if there's 25 million tons of 0.6 nickel, something that's near surface, that's coming out of the ground. That that's uh, that that's it's not going to be us that's going to be doing that. We'll uh, you know we, we continue to have conversations with all the big boys, and we're the we're the farm team at the moment. Uh, they're they're we're on the radar. Uh, we continue to engage with them, but um, uh, you know that that's where. I think these results, and it was only seven holes, um, you know, I, I, 18002, which was a drill hole drilled in um, 2018, another example of a drill hole that was a bit of a duster, but the borehole EM went down there and said, hey, we've got something tremendous off hole left and below the drill hole. Well, our hole 10 hit that modeled plate and intersected semi-massive to massive sulfide. So, we know that these semi-massive to massive sulfides are nickel bearing. So I, I think it bodes well for what's going to be coming out of these, um, uh, these, these uh, upcoming results. Yeah. Excellent. Um, I can't help but ask you talk about the big boys, right? I mean, at what point, I mean, assuming, you know, front foot forward, you're not, you're not from at, you're acting from a position of strength, you know, you, you raise funds well, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, when is the, when when do when do those conversations become favorable to you? When is the right time? You know, presumably, like you say, you you are not going to become the, the operator by either of these. You'll JV or sell them. When's that sweet spot for you as the current owner to to to, to make that transaction? Well, yeah, I, I I think you know our our strategy is is that point is from a position of strength. Um, you know, we we've. We're, we're we're doing well here. We're, we're we're sort of bucking the trend with respect to, you know, where we are share price wise and and compared to some of our other peers. Um, uh, 
so if if we can carry this momentum and and continue to um, you know demonstrate that we have two very much emerging you know let's let's think big here uh, nickel caps um, we we don't want to do that too soon um, again I think it's um, it's, it's going to play out. There'll be a lot of things that might be you know, beyond our control. But, uh, you know, ideally, as a shareholder, if I can be selfish here, you know, the higher the better. Um, and at the same time, I, I think I've been around this business long enough that if uh, you jump in bed a little bit too soon and you're at the mercy of how they go about things, uh, it's potentially not a necessarily good thing for the company or its shareholders. So I, I, I think it's a difficult question to answer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I again, I, I think the common denominator here would be preferably from a position of, of strength. Mm-hmm. No, fair. It's, yeah, it's a very speculative, hypothetical question with a lot of unknown unknown unknowns yet to be discovered, right? Um, so two, two final questions, right? So two, three, four weeks from now, we have assays. So that's kind of a neat little catalyst people can look forward to. You have your winter drill campaign that is go- will be headed up as things freeze over, as you say, December, January, Q1 start. Um, maybe just tell us what, you know, how many targets, you know, how many targets are you targeting with that drill campaign? Maybe that's the my last question I'll have for you before I ha- ask you final thoughts. Yeah, that, you know, that question came up uh, just over the weekend with a colleague of mine. It's, okay, well, where are you going to drill? <laughs> um <laughs> You know, I, I I use the sandbox analogy at uh, at Gochagger Lake. You know, we know that within this area we're going to get mineralization, um, but you know the way things are developing right now, we have probably let me see number four, uh, possibly nine, ten, and eight. Those are holes that came up too short. Uh, what we know now is. Um, They've, they've come up a bit too short. There's something, uh, you know, again, with the borehole EM, you know, this would have been, you know, sort of a real-time luxury if we'd had the budget. Well, hey, let's not move the drill off. Hmm. Let's wait till we see the borehole EM results, and, oh, we should keep going. So there's uh, there's there's probably an additional, oh, geez, you know, minimum 500 meters of drilling that needs to be done purely on extending existing drill holes. Hmm. Um, so we, we've got to go, you know, I, I, I'd like to drill a deep hole in this area, uh, for two reasons, hopefully aiming it at something that's very, very conductive, but again, it provides a tremendous platform for the borehole EM to do its thing. Um, we've had success at the, uh, the, the zone of conductivity, 400 meters to the Northeast, a geologic success. You know, there's gabbro, there's uh, semi-massive to uh, massive vein stockwork type things occurring there, and there's a strong associated borehole EM anomaly. So that is a target. Um, and, you know, what I see ourselves doing is, is uh, you know, cutting some grid and doing uh, surface TVM surveys over other additional targets that aren't too far away. Uh, I'd like to drill some holes there. The Mall Lake nickel occurrence, 10 kilometers to the southeast, you know, 1.1% nickel over eight meters, drilled in 1967, not a boot on the ground until our guy was there a couple of weeks ago. 
Um, so that's a fascinating target. So there's the, <laughs> there's no shortage of things to do. That's great. No, and that's boy, what a what a that's a good problem to have as an explorer. I uh, yeah, I mean the, the the embarrassment of riches or the multitude of targets makes this a very 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 interesting story to me. But I think, I think I was going to say I was going to cap it an yeah. hour, so I've already proven myself wrong there. Well, um, thanks, thanks for putting up with me. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, ditto here. I know I, I've enjoyed it. It's been a great great conversation. I guess I'll let you have the final thought though. Final words, final thoughts from you. Um. Yeah, no, we're, we're, you know, as a company, we're, we're excited. Um, you know, you use the term champagne problems. Uh, yeah, <laughs> no, we, we, we've got, uh, you know, we, we've got two uh, fantastic projects. Um, you know, just a, a bit of a shout out to uh, our project manager, Vanessa, and the, uh, the we, we work with Terralogic Exploration. They are tremendous. Um members of the team and and you know and and i'm, I'm just I'm, I'm sort of i'm pleased that we've caught the attention of some uh, uh some nickel experts out there and and it's it's encouraging that we're actually having conversations with you know i use the term big boys we've, we've had some discussions with the you know the valets the glencores the, the the rios of the world and and we're starting to get a little bit of traction with some intermediaries as well so it, it's uh a story that's on the radar and, and it's up to us to, to, to keep it going. And, and I feel very, very confident that we can. Hmm. Well, that's it for today. I think uh, CEO Ian Fraser, Fathom Nickel, they've got assays and weeks and another whole very exciting drill campaign in just a few months. And I look forward to having you back on my show, but for now, good to talk to you and thank you for your time. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you very much. Okay. Take care. <laughs>